I'm the show's host, Nate Betcher, President and CEO here at Pierce Pepin Cooperative Services. I've got Dave and Brooke with me once again here this morning for our podcast episode this week. we got a lot to talk about, but first, uh, how was your guys' weekend? Mine was awesome. Sorry, I'll go first. <laughs> yeah. Um, I went to the Dells yeah? this weekend oh, with the family. Yeah, so it was really fun. It was good to just get away and packed water parks why not <laughs> did you um, did you go on the outdoor slides or was it mostly well, the indoor <laughs> all indoor this time all um, indoor. there was the outdoor hot tubs that you could go out like oh, really? have you ever seen those they have like the plastic no. sheeting and then you can go under it and go outside um i did not do that just because i had the baby so um you're not taking the baby in the hot tubs that you're telling us not quite yet yeah <laughs> i haven't seen that where do they have them at all the, the most of them now yeah so we were at the wilderness I've seen them at like Three Bears and the Warrens, a um, couple different places. Huh. It's, it's very nice. Yeah. Did you go down the water slides? So normally, yes, I go down every single one. This time was very calm and with the baby. <laughs> um, I mean, it was so calm to the point where she slept down on the Lazy River for like 40 minutes. Wow. So it was awesome. We got That's pictures. Great. She just totally chilled out on the river. So yeah, it was really fun. It was a good Usually it is. It's just craziness. And this was a very relaxing trip. So yeah. nice. Lots of naps. Good. Good. How, how about you, Dave? Uh, we didn't do too much. Uh, you know, the weather was kind of cold, but, and I've been nursing an injury of my own, but <laughs> I, I did not end up getting on my, my roof of my house at some point just to try to mitigate my ice dam problem. <laughs> well, I probably shouldn't have. I but. think the funny thing, <laughs> we talked about your, your wife's injury uh, last week or the week before. Mm-hmm. And so then you had to go injure yourself, what, to keep pace with your wife or just well, to try to get a little more <laughs> sympathy or what's going on here, Dave? Yeah, it's it's funny. I had actually slipped and fallen on my driveway a couple of days before my wife got injured, but didn't think sure. there was much wrong with it. Sure. Turns Before out for your wife got it injured. just magically started hurting after she got hurt. <laughs> <laughs> this is sort of a recurring joke in our our household. My my wife will get sick and then I will get sick and she'll claim that I I purposely do that to be even more sick than she was, as though it's some sort of a competition. Which to, to which I remind her that the reason I'm probably sick is because she got sick first. But mm-hmm. right. Did well, you guys do anything fun this weekend? Uh, yeah. So we. Uh, I, we are are dipping our toe. Uh, you'll 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 appreciate this here in a minute. Uh, we're dipping our toe into looking at uh, buying a pontoon, and so we went over to look at a couple of used pontoons that were up on an auction site just to kind of see what they were what they were like. So we ended up uh, over over in uh, the western part of the uh, the Twin Cities area uh, looking at pontoons. It was actually nice. It was in a, a warm, heated garage, and um, so you could get up there, kind of go around, uh, look at them, and, and uh, inspect them all. And, and then the auction actually closed yesterday. We were not successful, but that's okay. It was uh, kind of our first time of really looking at them. And But our kids are kind of getting to that age where uh, they like um, – they like fishing, so nice to be able to kind of fish off a pontoon. They like getting in the water, so we're kind of just looking at maybe something that'll get us out in the water a little bit more and 
maybe a little bit of family fun on the weekends. Yeah, that sounds like a great time. Yeah. So the rest of the weekend uh, was hiding from the from the cold weather. Uh, those of you that uh, don't live in our area here that live to our, live, uh, listen to our podcast, uh, you'll know that uh, we have had some uh, extremely cold temperatures last couple of days, an Arctic blast that's come down. And uh, I don't know, what was it? Did you look at the temperature at your place this morning when you came to work? Yeah, it was, I think, five below in my driveway, according to my car. Okay, five below. It, throughout the, the trip to work, it ranged from five to ten below. Okay, so... The, the gauge on the car said 18, and I, I was sort of like, eh, I don't know if it's 18. What did you have, Brooke? I got negative 23. Yeah, negative really? 23. Yes, wow. it was coming wow. down J. Like, yeah. it, it always gets really cold right in that spot. I've noticed it must just be where mm. the, I don't know, deeper there. Or doesn't get the sun, maybe. Yes, um, but it's always yeah. extra cold. So it was more like you said, like negative 17, 18, but then all of a sudden in that area, it was like 20, 21, 22. Mm. Um but yeah, so I took a picture of it because, dang, that's cold. <laughs> yeah, so I, I didn't, I mean, I didn't think it was negative 18, but when I, mean, when I saw it in the car, I was like, well, maybe it's colder than, than I was thinking. But mm-hmm. we're supposed to get another couple of days of, of cold weather here, I think, and then maybe uh, some warm-up. And then I have some bad news. If you didn't look at the long-range forecast, they're talking about more snow uh, coming out of one of those uh, uh, clippers that we, we so love around here. Uh, in the words of uh, Danny Green, those Calcutta Clippers, yeah, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the Calcutta Clippers. So, so Dave, just you know, is uh, thinking about cold weather and the impact on electric bills. Uh, what are some things you can do uh, to help mitigate maybe some of those electricity costs with uh, with cold weather? Well, just plan ahead. Uh, you know, make sure that you've got a long term. Uh, it's always nice, in my opinion, to build in a. a Fuel choice at your house. If you participate in a dual fuel heating program, you can you can uh, leverage the cost uh, in that current season of gas versus electric. If you had off peak uh, electric heating, and you could potentially run gas if it's real cheap for some particular year, or you can run electric. But in general, it's just a matter of making sure that your house is buttoned up and um, tight as possible, and um, running your electric loads efficiently. Yeah. One of, one of the things I think a lot of people tend to do is they turn on space heaters and right. just talk a little bit about, you know, the inefficiency of space heaters during, during this cold weather. Right. Well, there's, there's a couple of things there. So, um, while, uh, if you're particularly asking about electric plug-in space heating, those are actually quite efficient. They could be close to 100% efficient, but it doesn't mean they're cheap to run. So they can really have a big impact on your electric bill. So if my recommendation is if you want to use a plug-in space heater, no matter what kind it is, whether it's a you know a $20 milk house heater or a $300 Amish mantle fireplace, <laughs> it's really a 1,500-watt heater, and so it, the, the electrical usage is identical. So if you're going to use it for an hour or two here and there to warm your feet up when you're playing cards or watching TV, that's fine. But be real careful if you're going to put one of those in a cold bedroom somewhere in your house or uh, somewhere where you're maybe running and forgotten about where it could just run for several hours, even all the time. If you run one of those for a 24 hours for a month, it's well north of $100. Yeah. So. Well, and where I was getting maybe on some of the efficiency part is when you 
when you have those space heaters that just run constantly, even though maybe, you know, maybe the temperature in your room, um, I've always found if you can find one with that actually have thermostats on them Mm -hmm. that, you know, get it up to the desired temperature, then we'll turn off for a while. And then, you know, an hour later may turn back on to, to get your temperature back up to where you need it. Um, as opposed to, like you said, just running them all day long and, and not really thinking about, you know, the impact that it might have on your on your electric usage. Yeah, 100%. It's all about two things that affect uh, a high electric bill and it's pertaining to electric heating. It's the size of that heater and how many hours a day it runs. You know, and the, the, the size is real easy to figure out, but how many hours it runs per day, that's that's something that's uh, dependent on, on all, all those things, how that thermostat is controlled how you use the thing and um, those are under your control so yeah absolutely well we uh we want to talk a little bit about maybe the the five ways you mentioned kind of dual uh uh, fuel or or having uh gas uh uh to to heat your house so i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of put you on the spot here uh, and talk about uh you know the the five ways that you can electrify your home and the the first one uh interestingly enough is uh to to Talk about swapping out your uh, AC and furnace out for a single energy efficient appliance. And could you just talk a little bit about that, Dave? Just in terms of what what people should look at when they're when they're thinking about swapping out their AC and furnace. Sure. Yeah, what they're talking about uh, as far as being able to swap out a central air and a fossil fuel furnace with a single appliance to do all your heating and cooling and, and gaining some efficiency there is basically air source heat pumps. So that technology has been around for a while. And uh, typically the downside to an air source heat pump, uh, especially in this climate, this part of the country in Wisconsin, was that when it gets really cold out, they they couldn't heat anymore. There's not enough energy in the air outside to uh, efficiently heat the home. But some of the new high sear rating cold climate air source heat pumps can heat your home well down below zero, even 10 below, which some years is the entire winter where you wouldn't have to use any gas. So it's true um, that an air source heat pump can be a real good alternative for um, gas heating. Um, and it, of course it does all the, all the air conditioning just like an air conditioner does. Well, and that kind of takes us into uh, really the segue uh, to number two, which was upgrade your, your gas water heater to a electric or heat pump water heater. And, and and this is actually something that I have a little bit of experience with, uh, in my previous home, uh, we did not have gas, uh, service available to us at all. You you know, it was propane. If you wanted to put that in, most people didn't do that. So just about every appliance that we had in our house was, uh, powered by electricity. And we had sort of a inefficient, uh, uh, excuse me, electric water heater. We replaced it with a heat pump and saw an immediate, uh, difference in the amount of, of kilowatt hours that we were using. And I know we've got a few, do we, do you know of anyone that's, uh, uh, switched over to a heat pump? Are you aware of anyone in our service area here? Yeah, we have a Pierce Pepin offers a $600 rebate on new, uh, air source heat pump water heaters, or some manufacturers that call them hybrid water heaters. Um, so it's not, hasn't gained huge traction in this area because of some other drawbacks that I could get into in this part of the country. But, uh, we definitely have, to best of my knowledge, a couple of dozen probably out there that are working. And that the drawback is that if you think about it, a, a heat pump, whether it's a, an air source heat pump for your heating your home or a, a heat pump water heater, is they don't make any heat. They just move heat from one place to another. 
So if it's a heat pump water heater located in your house, say in your utility room, it's going to take the energy, the heat energy out of the air in that room and put it into the water at a really efficient method of doing so. But in, in this part of the country, of course, in the winter, that's going to add a little bit to the load on your heating system because it's going to have to make up for that heat just taken out of the room. You have to have a uh, sufficiently sized square footage in your utility room. But there's some ways around that too um, to keep that room from being so cold is that you can, uh, some of those heat pump water heaters, you can set them to just run the regular elements that are inside of it. So it runs in that season like a normal water heater. Mm-hmm. And then run it in the summer in the hot and humid times where it's going to actually help your air conditioning season, uh, system in your house. Uh, run it as a heat pump then. Yeah, it's going to pull out some of that heat. Yep. Number three um, is something I know is near and dear to, to Brooke's uh, heart because I, I know that she uh, does a lot of uh, lawn work. Uh, and so I'm, I'm curious. I'm going to put her on the spot here yeah. in a minute. But uh, switch your gas-powered yard tools for efficient electric ones now. Are your lawn tools gas-powered or electric power? You got a little bit of a mixture of both. What do you have? We So we used to get all of the gas powered. Um, we went and bought a beautiful steel uh, leaf blower a couple years ago, and it was so heavy. <laughs> um, so with my husband's profession, <laughs> um, working for Fleet Farm. Oh, um, that's going to be a paid advertisement <laughs> yeah. there. We're, we're going to have to insert uh, uh, the, the Fleet Farm ad now. Shout out. <laughs> um, but so we've been slowly switching everything over to electric, and it's made my life a lot easier. Um, so now I have the leaf blower that's very lightweight and mm. I just switch out my batteries when I'm done. Um, now we're going over to power tools. Yep. So I've got my new circular saw <laughs> and the next thing on our list is a um, chainsaw. They have battery operated ones, which I, I think they're awesome. I was super surprised at how quiet they were um, when I saw one demonstrated. So that's the next purchase for us. Yeah, excellent. I think about five years ago, I, I switched out my uh, leaf blower and my, in this part of the world, they call them weed whips. Everywhere else, they call them uh, lawn trimmers or grass trimmers. But yep. uh, I switched that out uh, and both battery powered. thing I love about it is you go grab it, you pull the trigger, and you're you're, you're doing whatever you need to do. Yep. You're, you're blowing the, the yep. leaves or you're, you're trimming the grass or whatever. And... Uh, no more mixing of oil, no more priming the pump, no more pulling on the starter cable for, you know, what seems like an entire day just to get it running. And when you're done, you literally just put it back in the garage and don't worry about leaking everywhere. You don't yes. have to worry about the smell of, of that mixture of uh, oil and gas. And, um, yeah, just keep your batteries charged and you're ready to go. Uh, number four is uh, electrifying your mode of transportation. Of course, that would mean electric vehicles. We've talked some about that. And then, interestingly enough, um, as we, we sort of talked about this, uh, I think, last episode, replacing your gas range for an electric or an induction uh, cooktop. So those are the top five uh, things to think about when it comes to uh, electrifying your house. And, of course, um, that's become uh, a much bigger discussion here, uh, certainly as uh, we've seen some gas prices rise over the last couple of years and then also with the news that uh, there may be future uh bans or or other um limits on uh on, on gas powered uh, appliances specifically your your stovetop 
So over the weekend, Brooke, uh, we had uh, sort of a, an interesting uh, day on Saturday. It was National Privacy Day. Not something you really yes. probably think uh, a lot about, but um, in our calendar of national days, uh, Saturday was National Privacy Day. What are some things that uh, folks can do to keep their, their, their data secure and, and make sure that hackers aren't able to access uh, private secure information? Yeah, there's there's a huge list of things that you can do. Um, most important, I would say, secure your Wi-Fi. Um, get a good password on there so that people aren't joining your Wi-Fi and doing, what's your word, nefarious things nefarious. on it. <laughs> um, also, make sure that, for the most part, you're not using unsecured Wi-Fi um, unless you absolutely have to. And if you are using it, make sure you're not doing any sensitive data work like making purchases, checking your bank accounts, anything like that. Um, when you're securing your um, accounts with your passwords. Uh, one thing you could do instead of just one word with letters um, or with numbers behind them, you could change it to a passphrase. Um, mm. I find that's a lot easier to remember. For example, you could say the sky is blue today or something like that. I like to use song lyrics because um, they just go together and <laughs> I'm always singing something. So um, I like to do that with mine. So it helps me remember them. And they're a lot harder to, to guess. You can also keep your social media private, um, a lot more private, I should say. We've had a lot of examples of people going on vacation. And so say you went on vacation and it, you said that on your social media, you could then get personalized attacks, um, like phishing email attacks relating to travel because they know you're more likely to click it while you're on vacation. A um, couple other ones... Like, make sure your computer is up to date on your updates. Make sure you're installing those regularly because some of those updates have really nice security features in them. So make sure you're doing that. And then one of the last ones I had was turn off your Bluetooth mode when you're not using it. Um, someone could, could potentially, like, link it, right? Is that what they're saying? Um, and, and share things with you and access your data on your phone. Yeah, those are really good tips. I'm I'm reminded you were talking about the uh, the complexity of passwords, and I'm reminded of an individual I ran across about maybe 20 years ago, and he used the VIN numbers off of his uh, collectible cars as his passwords to you know various computer programs and other things that he had to get into it. And I don't know how long a VIN number is, but I know they're fairly lengthy. 16, I believe. 16. They've got numbers and letters. Yes. And if you can remember that, uh, you're, you've got a special kind of brain because I can't, <laughs> I can't hardly remember my, my birth date or my anniversary, let alone 16 numbers off a yeah. random you know, vehicle that I own. And that actually brings me to another one um, that I read a lot about is if you're having a hard time remembering your passwords, try not to save them on that website or like your browser you can actually get password, um, what do you call them, storage, and such as like LastPass or Password Genie, um, they'll actually remember it for you, but it's a secure login. Um, so they'll store it all in one place so that you're not storing them on your browser. Yeah, good point. Yeah, that's a great point. And plus with, you know, with both uh, Apple and, and Google, uh, just the biometrics. So a lot of times they store them in there, but you've got to be able to either scan your face or use your... Mm -hmm your fingerprint to actually get them to populate those passwords on your behalf too, which is Correct. important. Yeah. The other, uh, the other, uh, one that I've seen, which I thought was interesting is, uh, I knew a system administrator that would use uh, nursery 
rhymes. And then what they would do is they would take the, the first couple of letters of the nursery rhyme and make a password out of them. So if it was Jack and Jill went up the hill, you know, it would be, you know, J, J, U, uh, H, and then whatever else, you know, they would put after that. So that was their way of coming (laughs) up with, with their own passwords. So lots of different ways to do it. Um, it's a good reminder, uh, not to be outdone by data privacy day. Uh, today is a croissant day and bubble wrap day. Really, National Bubble Bubble Wrap Appreciation Day? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if that means go buy bubble wrap, or so you know, think that poppin'. we have bubble wrap. <laughs> it's, it's a popping day. Good, yeah. good one, Dave. <laughs> you've been, you've been, you were storing that one up all weekend, weren't you? <laughs> uh, tomorrow, uh, if, for those of you keeping track, uh, this is in you know with the weather we're having here, as cold as it is, as it is plan your vacation day. So it's National Plan Your Vacation Day. I can celebrate that. I love planning vacations. <laughs> and and if these don't go, I mean, if this timing isn't just perfect, uh, tomorrow is also National Hot Chocolate Day as well. Perfect. So hot chocolate, plan your vacation, think about summer. Don't think about the fact that it's negative 18 or 15 or <laughs> 5 below or whatever, whatever it is. Uh, also, uh, today we uh, saw a report that came out and something that, sort of hits home for our rural areas. Uh, Cost of living may be rising faster for rural America. And I believe this came from a a PBS report that was uh, published talking about the fact that uh, when the Federal Reserve convenes here uh, at the end of January, uh, they'll be looking at interest rates. And and oftentimes uh, they're they're looking at uh, the cost of of goods, if you will, uh, in more urban environments not taking into account what we see sometimes in more of a rural environment. And they sort of talked about a few things that I thought were, were kind of interesting. Uh, people living outside America's cities represent 14% of the U.S. population, about 46 million people. Um, I would also uh, care to point out that, uh, you know, if you take rural electric co-ops as an example, uh, they serve nearly half of the nation's land mass in the country as well. So it's not just the population, uh, which this also goes on to talk a little bit about some of the, uh, the challenges with, for instance, running a car in more rural areas, because you tend to drive more distances. You tend to drive on probably worse roads in a lot of cases. And, um, and so there's, there's, there's a lot of, uh, higher costs related to vehicle maintenance as a result of that which again, I will tie that back into, that's one of the benefits that I see as owning an electric vehicle is because the costs of ownership are just so much uh, less. And then uh, I'll jump in here to um, the rising cost of eating at home. Again, having to travel a, a distance for groceries. Uh, oftentimes you don't have competition in rural areas. You're sort of uh, at the, uh, the, the price of whatever your, your closest grocery store have you guys bought groceries lately? I mean, it is it is crazy the price of food right now. Yeah, it really is. It just it's it's insane. It, it's I think I went to the grocery store on Friday. I bought two bags, and it was like one hundred and sixty dollars. Yep. It's it's amazing. That used to be. Uh, I used to complain when it was like thirty dollars a bag, but it all depends what you buy, of course. But it's there's a lot of things that are really yeah. inflated right now. Just the same old things that I always buy. It's it's a good. I don't know, $100 yeah. more. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's amazing. I mean, we you know, I almost want to take our, 
our receipt from one store, go to another store, buy all the exact same things, and then go to, you know, maybe one of those big box stores based out of uh, Arkansas and uh, see what the, <laughs> what the costs, you know, just to compare, you know, the different, the different options. But boy, it, it sure seems like, you know, whether it's, I mean, we all know price of eggs are gone up, butter's gone up. Um, but, but just little things that you wouldn't even really think that much about, you know, spaghetti noodles. Yes. I mean, those have gone up a couple dollars a box. I mean, it's just crazy. Yogurt this weekend. <laughs> I was, I went to go buy yogurt. I'm like, what happened? It's like $2 more for my package. Yeah. Our, our kids are on a yogurt ration. We, that is, that is actually my barometer. We used to buy this box of 10. I think when it started out, it was somewhere around like seven ninety nine uh, when we first started buying the box of 10. Then it went up to like eight nineteen. Then it went up to like eight fifty nine. Now I think it's ten dollars and twenty nine cents for that same box of yeah. ten packets of yogurt. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I've seen it do that, or they they'll uh, they'll just inflate the price slightly, but decrease the size of the of the serving you get in yeah. the box. Or, yeah, that that that's the uh, potato chip uh, market right there. Right. The bags <laughs> have gotten smaller, and they still only fill them halfway full. Yep. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you used to buy a big bag of chips, and it was like you know, call it three dollars, yeah. and then they made the bags half the size and filled them half as full and charged you six twenty-five for them. Yep. It's just, yeah. <laughs> just some expensive air. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, cheaper home costs, but often heating and cooling can be expensive. As another reason why uh, uh, living in rural areas can be higher cost. Um, inflation being, you know, one of the, the drivers that, you know, they're, they're suggesting in this article that, um, that, that rural inflation actually might be higher than what people tend to see in, in, uh, more urban areas. Now, all that being said, there's a lot of benefits of living in, in rural America. Uh, there's certainly a little bit more, uh, space. It's a little bit less, uh, uh, of a grind every day to go from point A to point Z. So not to discourage people from living in, in rural America, but kind of an interesting article here, uh, just talking a little bit about some of the challenges. So what else uh, you guys got going on this week as we wrap up here today? Well, we're, my department's real busy with uh, our, our meter uh, project and our load management uh, switch project. So we're, we're going uh, hard on those this week. Good. Going to keep changing out meters when it's uh, negative 15 out? We are changing probably less. Uh, we're <laughs> we're, we're going to focus on the the indoor parts of that project with uh, rebuilding some things back in the shop here. Yeah, awesome. Brooke? For us, uh, we are just working on fine-tuning like the order process for Swift Current. And also, is it tomorrow that is one year from our first customer? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah big, of- yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Big milestone. Uh, so, yeah, what Brooke is alluding to is... Uh, January 31st of 2022, we connected our first couple of customers on uh, Swift Current uh, Connect, our, our broadband subsidiary here at Pierce Pepin. And uh, I just looked at the numbers. We're right around 1,200 yep. or so uh, connected in, in a year. So that's, you know, if you do simple math on that, it's about 100 a month, which is which is quite a lot, more than I think we, we probably uh, anticipated we would be at when we when we started. So... Very exciting. I have some bad news for you guys, though. Okay. Some kind of bad news. We're not going to be able to meet next week. Uh-oh. Yeah, you can hear the <laughs> you can hear the resign in their voice. 
they're like, oh, we get a week off. I'm actually going to be uh, at a conference uh, down in Florida, and before you start getting, whoa, whoa, whoa. yeah, it's just <laughs> before you start getting that, you know, you know, upset with me or jealous. Uh, I'm going to get there at about. 10 30 11 o'clock on sunday night and i will be back on an airplane the next day at three o'clock in the afternoon so there's not <laughs> this is not like you know there's gonna not gonna be a lot of time for you know putting my feet up by the pool or going <laughs> yeah. for long walks on the beach uh, this is kind of a get in get out uh, i'm actually going to speak on electric vehicles oh, and nice. uh, on our charge network uh, that's uh, owned by uh, electric co-ops across the country maybe we'll talk about that here uh, in a future episode but um, actually, interestingly enough, um, I'll, I'll just give a little shameless plug for the uh, conference. It's called the Next Conference. It's put on by uh, our our industry trade group NRECA, and um, they're they're actually focusing on public charging, and they're bringing in a couple of the larger um, convenience travel center uh, operators, if you will, and just going to talk a little bit about what their plans are around electric vehicle charging, as well as there's a panelist from uh, North Carolina EMC on there as well. So I'm really excited about it. Um, happy to happy to get a chance to participate a little bit and talk about what we're doing up here in the upper Midwest with electric vehicles. So anything else from Not you mind guys? Then, no. Nope. No, that's about it. I'm, I'm, I'm still je- jealous, even if it's only for an overnight. <laughs> yeah, you get to go somewhere where it doesn't hurt to be outside. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll step outside for a couple of minutes, uh, <laughs> soak it all in, and, and hopefully uh, bring some of that warm warm air back with me uh, next week. So, with that, thanks for joining us here on the Live Better Podcast. We'll see you in a couple of weeks uh, on our weekly episode. Have a great week! Thanks for joining us. Have a good week. Bye.